Welcome to the Bokash Podcast. My name is Don. And I'm Scott. And here we are. In Ezekiel. 28. I guess we're not in Ezekiel. Uh, it sounds sounds Gnostic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why I said that. Yeah. It sounds uh, Gnostic. Uh-huh. Spirits and flesh are... Flesh is bad. Spirit's good. Gnosticism. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't know where my brain is. <laughs> I... I had a rough night. I took Sudafed too late last night, and it kept oh, me kind of zany. No. I woke up, tried to go back to sleep. I was like, I'm so awake right now. And I ended up going downstairs, read for like two hours, woke up because I heard my daughter getting food. I was like, it can't be that early already. It was. Oh. So I'm a little bit like, eh. Okay. I've definitely bit. had those days. Yeah. Well, I was struggling with that last week and, and the week before, and I did get that Amazon reader thing oh you got it you got yourself a kindle my man and and i haven't i haven't actually opened it yet um i I know i need to and i I love mine really libby the free library stuff that's my friend okay and so it's it's kind of one of those that i was going to start because i was reading books but then i still had to turn on a light of sort and i was like well that just woke me up and um then i was reading pretty heady stuff so like that didn't seem to put me to sleep um yeah that can be a little more yeah, so I was like, all right, well, maybe I got to find some like books, like novel books that, that I just don't care about and just keep reading that's, it until I fall asleep. That's how I roll. Because like, like I do not to say that I, I don't like fiction because I do. I read a lot of fiction, but I don't feel guilty if I'm skimming paragraphs of description okay. in fiction. Yeah, I don't care. And I don't buy I see you have wing feather, by the way. Yeah, I, I ordered it. I took your advice. And nice. I it for my daughter. That's so an ADD moment. She's, fin- she's finishing up her book, and then she's going to start reading that one afterwards. Nice. So, um, yeah, Wing Feather is great for young, I would say, fourth, maybe even third grade mm-hmm. through sixth grade. Okay. Probably in that area. Yeah. Uh, great books for that, uh, for kids. Uh, Wing Feather Saga. That's, I forgot the guy's name. Uh, he's getting uh, Andrew Peterson. Yeah, Andrew Peterson, Wing Feather Saga. If you're if you're looking for something for your adolescents to read before they're you know too cool to hug you in public, mm-hmm. it's about that age. Okay. Um, no, but uh, yeah, if if the fiction is boring or it's immensely detailed, I'll skim. I don't care. I don't buy a lot of fiction. I just get it from okay. library. Now that being said, um, somebody gifted me. Oh, what is the name of the books? Uh, the Mistborn. They gifted me the first one, and I thought the book was insanely average. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a trilogy, so I had to read the second one. So okay. I bought it, and then I read it, and it was still insanely average. And then I got the third one, and right now there's somebody out there that reads those that's really mad um, because he's kind of got a huge following, the guy that does them. And I read that, and I was like, this one's slightly below average. <laughs> but there's a sequel trilogy to that trilogy that I thought was really good. And oh. I bought all of those and I've even pre-ordered the next one. Wow. That comes out in November. What's that called? Um, the original, so this is this is hyper nerd. Um, the original three are the Mistborn trilogy. Okay. And it's um, basically uh, a certain segment of people in this fantasy world. So it's not like taking place on Earth or anything. Right. Um, have the ability to ingest certain metals mm-hmm. and then they can what he calls burning them and when they burn them they get certain things like some get like 
the ability to be like Magneto. They can like repel or oh, nice. whatever or like draw towards them. Other yeah. ones get the ability to like hear or see better and so on and so forth. Um, so the second trilogy is basically set like a few hundred years after. I don't know how many. The, the Cosmere, that's the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, scholars out there could tell you how many years, maybe 500 years later. Yeah. Um, and it's a little more steampunky. So the first one's kind of a little more Lords of the Rings era. Right. The second one's a little more steampunk era. Okay. So they've got like guns and stuff. Yeah. But um, there were certain people that were called Mistborn that could, like there's like, I'm sorry, nerds. Um, there's like eight different metals, I think, that they could burn. Yeah. Um, but most people could only do one or two. But there are some people that could burn like all eight and they would get like eight superpowers. But 500 years later, there aren't any of those people. Like they basically like kind of died off yeah. or not been born again or whatever. Um, so most people that can do that uh, can only burn one, maybe two metals. Um, so it's so it's like a little less fantastical and a little more yeah. grounded, but the pacing was faster. Okay. Now, word to the readers, I don't know if it matters, but the guy that wrote them, uh, I don't know if he's practicing, but he definitely has a background and he's Mormon. Mm-hmm. Um, the first trilogy ends with like this really weird attempt to bring in what I think might be some Mormon undertones. Um, I got an argument with somebody about it who's like a super hyper nerd, also a Christian. I was like, no, 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 this is like really, I'm trying not to spoil it. This is really some of the doctrines that they teach. And he's like, yeah, it was not the same. I was like, that's like when you read the freaking Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, it's like there's some undertones, but it's not the gospel. So, and I was like, I was kind of bored with that. I was like, oh, I see what you're doing here. But But it, that wasn't the reason I found the book below average. I found it below average because it just droned on and on and the pacing was slow. Got it. Okay. Um, but like I said, the second trilogy or series or whatever is like great, great wow. pacing and fun characters and stuff like that. So, so did he write the, the, that, that series that you find interesting? He wrote that second. So like that's his second the, the trilogy dream, or actually, is this his first one? So he wrote the first trilogy, I guess when he was really young. Okay. And it, it, that was like his first published series, I think. Got it. Um, the second series he wrote, he's now written like tons of books. Oh. Like, and I guess he wrote so much during like lockdown. He's got like four or five books coming in over the next year that he's written. Dang. And these are like Six or seven hundred pages. Oh my gosh! No, not the second trilogy. Those are closer to three to four hundred, probably. Okay. I, I actually felt like I was like, man, I write these a lot faster. Oh, that's because they're half the length. Got it. Um, but yeah, so okay. that. But those I've actually back to the original. I might. I've actually purchased those. Okay. Um, but most stuff that I get, I don't purchase. Okay. I read a lot of John Grisham stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he. I, almost all of those I get from I've never bought one. So John Grisham wrote like a Time to Kill mm-hmm. and all that. Like I've uh, like the Firm, okay, Palkin Brief, like all the very like legal dramas. Yeah, I'm I don't care about legal dramas, but he's actually like pretty. Like if you're doing like levels of fiction writers, like he is <clears throat> definitely on the higher end. Yeah, of quality. Wherever at some like I tried to if you were to Jack Reacher. I think so. Yeah, I don't know much about him, but they, I've heard they did a couple movies. Okay, um, 
and because of the movies coming out, I never read the books, but I knew people had yeah. who had. So uh, one of the trips I went for work when I used to travel all the time, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just get one out of the library. So I got the first one, um, and I read it, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is just like trash. <laughs> like this is, this is like the, the literary equivalent of like reading Con Air <laughs> or like a Nicolas Cage movie. Wow. Like it just wasn't it, – it wasn't – I think I read it like – like on the plane trip to San Diego, I think I read the whole book and I was like, okay, that was quick. Like it just wasn't, but then you go and read it like a time to kill by Grisham or whatever. And I'm like, the writing is really good. I'm enthralled with it. It's like really good to good. So it's like, you know, it's like a bowl of Cheerios versus like an actual meal. Got it. (laughs) Kind of thing. So yeah. So I I try not to buy fiction because I don't, I never read it twice. Okay. Kind of thing. Yeah. So. Well, I was gonna say I rarely read fiction anyway. Like I get yeah. my fiction yeah, through like video games. Yeah. Um, where I'll read a, like a lot of theological type stuff. Like that's kind of the a lot of nonfiction. Um, I'm not much of a a fiction person. Again, if I want to get my story, give me a good video game, sit me down, give me a controller, and I'm good to go. So that's kind of where the majority of like my fiction type stuff comes. Um, now it's funny for theology wise. I used to read all the books okay like you know it came out oh the new keller i'm gonna read that or whatever yeah. now it's mostly commentaries and introductions and old like i just yeah i've read so many theology books and most of them spoiler the first five or six chapters are basically a mirror to the second mm. set of chapters yeah and by the time you get like halfway through you're like yeah you've made that point and you're making it again because mm-hmm. the publisher needed 200 more pages. So, so I guess I need to rephrase it. I actually read more commentaries and stuff. The, there's one book right now, I guess I'm reading Old Testament um, Ethics for the People of God. Um, very academic, though. Yeah, it is very. That's the one I was trying to read at, at night. It's not like, um, the, it's not like the, the reason for God or something. No, no, like, no. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I'm not usually those books. Yeah. If I get those books, I get them on Audible just when I'm in autopilot mode in the morning. And I just, I have so, so I did the sign up for Audible to get the freebie. Yeah. And my wife read The Mystery of Marriage Mm -hmm. and we were doing the devotion together. She's like, you should really read it. I was like, I'll make a deal. What if I do an Audible? Mm -hmm. And I went to go buy it. I was like, wait a minute. It must've been long enough. I'm getting a freebie again. (laughs) And I've listened to the introduction. And I just don't do audiobooks well. Okay. See, when I'm in autopilot in in the morning or when I'm working out. Um, or something like, I'll either listen to music or go ahead and, and listen to an audible. And usually I listen to it at 1.3, 1.5, somewhere around yeah, there. I gotta remember to do that. So like, cause slow, I can't do. I'm like, yep. Yeah. Don't, don't know what you just said. But at 1.3, 1.5, my mind's like, okay, I got this. I got this. So have you ever like sped through a funeral dirge? No. How about a lament? Um, I have not. Do you think like they would read Ezekiel's laments fast? Or do you think that was like slow and studied? I, I feel like that, that they would have gotten it much quicker than we are um, because I feel like it very much... <laughs> so, so like, for example, l- let's talk about Tyre. So like in Tyre, I feel like because they were like that merchant city and they were so wealthy and had so much influence and trade that they might have become a little bit too arrogant and ended up... Um, yeah, um, just kind of making fun of Israel and then potentially being taken out by God. Um, 
Yeah. So I don't know if they would have read, read, read that fast, but I bet you they might have understood sometimes more than we do. Um, when going through it. And they might have actually found hope for Israel when they're like, oh, it's not just us being judged, but but other people will be, other countries will be judged too. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if there's somewhere in the Bible that we could go look to, to like find an answer for that. I don't know. Uh, scratching my beard to look intelligent. Yeah, yeah. You, you do look I intelligent. I forgot. We're in podcasts. Yeah. Nobody saw I, that. I do the same too. I'll do it by the mic screen here. Okay, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I wonder uh, if that worked. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. That is good podcasting. It is great podcasting. We got sound effects and everything. Yeah. So I guess Ezekiel 28 then yes. could potentially um, give be... Give us some insight. Yeah, give us some insight into Tyre um, before we, we get some insight into to Egypt. Yeah. All right. All right. So how, how far you want to start? So let's go ahead and start... One through ten? Oh, yeah. Part of the yawns. All right. Like I said, rough night with the Sudafed. I am yawning, and I had did not have a rough night with the Sudafed. All right. Um, going to Ezekiel 28. Um, this is our last chapter focused specifically on Tyre. Um, we had two other chapters, 26, 27, and now we're on 28. Um, we'll get into Egypt next week or next time, and uh, let's find out what uh, Ezekiel um, has to say about Tyre, or really what God has to say about Tyre. Um, in the ESV, the, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, say to the prince of Tyre, thus says the Lord God, because your heart is proud and you have said, I am a God, I sit in the seat of the gods in the heart of the seas, yet you are but a man and no God, though you make your heart like the heart of a God. You are indeed wiser than Daniel. No secret is hidden from you. By your wisdom and your understanding, you have made wealth for yourself and have gathered gold and silver and into treasuries, by your great wisdom and your trade, you have increased your wealth, and your heart has become proud in your wealth. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you make your heart like the heart of a God, um, therefore, behold, I will bring foreigners upon you, the most ruthless of the nations, and they shall draw their swords against the beauty of your wisdom and defile your splendor. They shall thrust you down into the pit. You shall die the death of, a, of the slain in the heart of the seas. Um, will you... Will you still say, I am a God in the presence of those who kill you? Though you are but a man and no God in the hands of those who slay you, you shall die the death of the uncircumcised by the hand of foreigners, for I have spoken, declares the Lord God. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, that doesn't sound good. Um, <laughs> Not for the Prince of Tyre. Yeah. <laughs> so Sounds like he's getting a little messed up. Yeah, yeah. I think pride will do that to you. And yeah, um, Taking credit for things that God does and, and all kinds of stuff usually doesn't go necessarily very well. No, I mean, I've never seen it go well. No. Not in all the Deuteronomy, Hosea, Joel, or Ezekiel that we've read so far. Yeah, yeah, not, not at all. And I think in Deuteronomy, um, if you ever go back to some of our other podcasts or if you've been hanging out for a while, um, we find out that, that Moses pretty much laid it out straight and said, well, here's your two choices. And by the way, this is the choice you're probably going to make. Um, and uh, I think we see this happening in Tyre. Um, yeah. So what you got? Um, well, I'm scrolling back up. So I, I'm just going to actually come out with my initial All right. first impression and then explain that I think I'm wrong or was wrong. Um, 
I I went nuts on the intro verse, uh, or sorry, second verse, saying "Son of Man, say to the Prince of Tyre," and then later there's the comparison to uh, the wisdom of Daniel. Mm-hmm. And so I really wanted to beat that drum, like, oh, there's these comparisons between Daniel and Ezekiel and the term "Son of Man," which appears many many times in Dan- blah blah blah. That nothing, no, not really at all. As a matter of fact, Daniel mentioned is quite possibly not the biblical Daniel anyway. Okay. So I was like on a rabbit trail that didn't pan out, sadly for me. Bummer. I was not a god. That's good. That's good. And I'm glad you didn't claim that. Still not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But when he says that I am a god, um, essentially uh, he's most likely the the prince of Tyre or the ruler of Tyre. was essentially saying I am a divinity would be like the translation. Uh, he would have used the term L, which would have been like E-L-L. Mm-hmm. Um, just want to make sure I enunciate. Uh, which would have been the term for um, divinity. It could have also been in reference to their pantheon. Okay. The the head god in that pantheon was also went by the name of L E L. Um, so we see a lot of times in the Old Testament, uh, like words for God can be like Elohim, um, El Shaddai, El, El, El. Um, that El Hebrew beginning really is divinity, Mm. uh, or God. Uh, that's why the differentiation between the Hebrew God, the God of the Bible, and then a lot of the, um, other mentioned, so brain going a hundred miles an hour here, um, a lot of times people that like try and debunk the Bible will say like, well, the word L was just a general God and it was probably the same God and a different God and the God that changed and the God of blah, blah, blah. In reality, like the, it's the same way we use uppercase G God and lowercase G God, sometimes semi interchangeably in the English language. Um, If I'm talking about the God and I'm among other Christians, I understand that they will get it. Um, and then if I'm trying to differentiate between like an idol, I'll often say like, you know, like a, like a God, not the God or mm-hmm. lowercase g God or something like that. So L in Hebrew in the Old Testament is kind of a generic word for divinity. Got it. So that's essentially what's going on here. He's saying, I'm a divinity. I sit in the seat of the divine. Um, so he really is like going full Herod, New Testament, um, mocking God, saying he's got that wisdom, he's smarter than he is divinity. Um, and in truth, the man was a businessman, mm-hmm. uh, very very smart, made a lot of really good decisions, but uh, definitely went nuts and thought he was more than he was. Well, I mean, a lot of times, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where I mean, God has given us different skills and and gifts and abilities and ways of interacting with people and in society. And, And I feel like Tyre, the leader of Tyre, isn't necessarily any different necessarily than what we can become if we're not careful right where we've been given talents we've been given gifts like our personalities have the ability to 
but the thing is like have the ability to um, either be a good businessman or be good with working people or being a good teacher or being a good anything those are gifts that we have from God and if we're not careful we sometimes can take credit for for what God is doing or has done I mean, I think you can look at even the the most godly people in a way if not checked or or careful can end up in a very similar boat to the king of Tyre I mean even Paul talks about the the thorn on his side and and I wonder if if sometimes that thorn helped for him to be helped to be a good reminder um, and in a way of keeping him humble so that he didn't think too highly of himself. Um, because if there's anybody in the Bible that could probably think highly of themselves, I mean, I think Paul had, well, I mean, he even says he has reason to brag. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think he he gets to this place of he may have been a good businessman and he made a, may have played a, a big role in that, but for him to, to push himself that high really for anybody to push themselves that high, that that's a dangerous place to put yourself. And there's always a way down. Um, and unfortunately, it's usually not not the comfortable way down. And it sounds like the, the King of Tyre is, is kind of experiencing this a little bit. How far did you read? Uh, till through 10. Okay, okay. Just make sure I didn't. Yeah, but essentially he... he th- this lament starts with him like boosting himself up. Uh, or with his claims of being a god. Um, and then God basically questions him, like, are you wiser than Daniel? Um, what did you, did you have anything on this Daniel piece? This I did not Daniel have anything piece? on the Daniel piece. Okay. I, I, I made a comment that he's getting made fun of. Um, so it seemed like it was kind of one of those where, yeah, he was throwing a little bit of shade that, that direction. And, um, you know, here's what you think you are and guess what do you, I mean do you think you're better than Daniel and and I didn't know if that was the the Daniel of, of the Bible but but it was kind of one of those that I was trying to think if Daniel was a contemporary um, would that have really made him necessarily I mean would a lot of people really known who Daniel was because he's in right. exile just like Ezekiel is this is that's where a lot of the um, a lot of people get confused because there was like uh, the other Daniel, a mythical person, but he wasn't like, it wasn't like the Daniel of the Bible where he was noted for like wisdom and like being blessed by God. So people have thought about this for ever. Right. Um, I don't know. I get it. To me, it makes sense. If it's biblical Daniel with the, like, you think you're this, you think you're that, but in the end, like, he really doesn't have wisdom and God's going to cut him down. You right. Know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know anything about the other guy. <laughs> yeah, and and I can't think of any other Daniels in Scripture. Right. What prior to this. Right, and this isn't. Yeah, the other Daniel's not in Scripture. He's like, you know, some ancient Sumerian right religious literature or something. So yeah, no, I had nothing yeah. on Daniel. I guess spellings are different, and that's part of the problem. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Well, because, I, again, and I was thinking, because Daniel, though, would have been a contemporary to Ezekiel. So Daniel would have been in the first wave of exiles from Jerusalem, and then Ezekiel would have been in the second, correct? Or were they both in the first? Mm, you're asking the wrong person. 
<laughs> I can't remember. So like, but either way, they both would have been brought out of Jerusalem, not too far from each other. Um, so I don't know how much ministry Daniel would have done prior to. Let's try and see if I can see anything by him. But then I got the spinny beach ball mm-hmm. because I left. There we go. He was exiled in 605 BC. Do, 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 do. I have too many commentaries on Ezekiel, from what I can tell. It's, it's thinking. Okay. Come on, fancy pants computer. Ezekiel was 597. So, contemporaries. Okay. 605 to 597 is not too far apart. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I don't know. So I didn't know how much wisdom like how much wisdom people would have been. Oh, yes, he's got lots of wisdom where I, I don't know. No, I got to get back to my other stuff and I lost it. So, Darn it. I mean, did you have anything uh, more no, just, on that? Just so we get down it I mean, it near the end of what you just read. Okay. Where it becomes a rebuke. Yeah. So. All right. Um, so, yeah. So, 7 through 10, yeah, it doesn't go well. And 11 through 19. Whoops, I might have addressed a little bit of 11, 19 in some way. That's right. All right. Um, 28, 11 through 19. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, raise a lamentation over the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You are the signet of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was covering. Sadis, um, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, emerald, and carbuncle and crafted in gold were your settings and were and your engravings on the on the day that you were created they were prepared you were an anointed guardian of cherub Um, i placed you you were you were on the holy mountain of god in the midst of the stones of fire you walked You are blameless in your ways from the day you were created till unrighteousness was found in you. In the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence and your miss and you sinned. So I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God and I destroyed you, O guardian cherub, from the mist of the stones of fire. Your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I exposed you before kings to feast their eyes on you. By the multitude of your iniquities and the unrighteousness of your trade, you profaned your sanctuaries. So I brought fire out from your mist, and it consumed you. And I turned you to ashes on the earth in the sight of all who saw you. All who knew you among the peoples are appalled at you. You have come to a dreadful end and shall be no more forever. This is a happy... Yeah, yeah. all right. Um, well, hopefully you're not in a bad mood as you're headed off to work. Yeah. Um, because this isn't the joyful little song that uh, you, you want to be singing most of the day. Um, well... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> don't tell your boss that. Yeah. Um, Maybe we, we listen to different types of music. Right. Um, <laughs> I guess it could make a good heavy metal song. Yeah, see? Or emo exactly. song, yeah. Uh-huh. Emo, ooh. Uh, Does that still exist? Well, I don't even know, actually. Well, boy, Not that I'm old enough to remember. I read about it in history books. Right, right. Uh-huh, right. Yeah, yep. Totally. Um, so anyway, what you, what you got? 
Um, this is a difficult one because of the uh, words like you were in Eden, the garden of God mm-hmm. and stuff like that um, is to what that is talking about. So some people wonder if this is a prophecy that's pointing more at, uh, you know, the beginning of like the fall mm-hmm. or, or if it's pointing at something else. Um, what do you think? So, so here's what I have. Um, and I'm, I'm going to have some stuff. I'm just, I just want to hear what you're, what you got. So I'm, I'm leaning a little, I'm leaning pretty heavily, um, on, um, kind of Christopher right here. Um, (laughs) basically he's not saying that, that he was necessarily around during the time of the garden of Eden. Um, he believes that Ezekiel is using kind of a, a colorful poetic, um, use of kind of ancient traditions, specifically going back to the Garden of Eden. Um, he says that he's using the language of creation stories as kind of a, a meta- metaphorical device to convey the great height from which the King Tyre would fall, um, kind of comparing it to, to the Eden story where um, with, with kind of how God had created them and then how they had were at this place with God and kind of ended up falling. Um, through sin. Um, His language indicates the enormous privilege and responsibility that are entrusted to those who wield human power and authority. Um, So he addresses this idea that there's nothing necessarily wrong with being a king, being wise, being wealthy. Um, All of those things can be seen as a gift from God. Um, The problem is, is that um, the king of Tyre is utilizing this as a source of pride, um, a source of, of um, and he's abusing it um, through violence, um, through the way that he's utilizing it. Um, he's being dishonest, um, making fun of various religious practices or making a mockery of it. Um, the application that, that he brings to is he says that the narrative of the fall, um, the narrative of the fall, not just Adam and Eve, reoccurs over and over in human history. Uh, the king of Tyre was not the first example of a massive fall from grace and privilege into judgment and destruction, and he certainly won't be the last. Um, so it's that idea that, that the king of Tyre is is really just this continual rise and fall of people who are in power and authority and their abuse of it and their pride, and um, sometimes they're, they're lifting themselves up much higher than they deserve. And this is just Tyre's fall. Um, from that place of, of being risen high because of his sinful abuse of of the gifts that God has given to him. And he's just comparing it to the Garden of Eden um, with that, here's how God created um, the Garden and Adam and Eve, and this is where they ended up. So you're taking the... Um, kind of the biblical Eden Genesis approach? Mm-hmm. So that's, I think I lean that way. I find what I'm about to say interesting. <laughs> I'm but curious. I'm, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there was a pagan god called Melkart, M-E-L-K-A-R-T. Um, one of the things that uh, the temples of Melkart typically had uh, were a guardian, a cherub, also a sphinx. And those guardian sphinx cherubs were typically like 
a human head on some type of animal's body, typically a bull or a lion, and they would have their heads adorned with jewels. So they would typically guard the temple and they would be sitting, they would guard the pagan temple and they would typically sit in the garden of that pagan temple. Hmm. So this could be kind of a double meaning saying that you were in Eden, the garden of God. And I was trying to see what the word for God there was, if it's L or something else. It's L. So you're in the garden of L. Um, that leaves it open for it, it is it God of the Bible or is it pagan God or is it Melkart or the Sphinx or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, then the uh, it says in the midst in verse 14, um, I place you, you are on the holy mountain of God, in the midst of the stones of fire, you walked. Um, Melkart demanded to be revitalized with flame offerings or fire offerings. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a potential that that could also be referring to that as well. So it, yeah, it could be a parallel between the two, Eden, the garden in Genesis and um, the garden outside of a pagan temple. Uh, I don't feel like there's a good answer here. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> Um, like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm hesitant to say the people that take this as a parallel to like Satan's fall. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because, you know, it's like you were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till unrighteousness was found in you and the abundance of your trade, you were filled with, uh, violence in your midst and you sinned. So I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God. Well, shoot, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a, we, we tend to, when we talk about Satan's fall, we tend to go there. Like, that sounds very much like what we say. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. But <laughs> it's hard because, like, I mean, I mean, I guess you can go New Testament, and I'm really just talking or thinking out loud at this point. So, I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying. I, I guess you see this idea of, of the spiritual realm is, is very much real and legit. Um, but the s- sin that we experience and that we have in our own hearts, um, I think, is very much influenced by the enemy. So I, I think we still have some of our own tendencies of wanting to push ourselves up higher mm-hmm. can be a similar fall when we're thinking about Satan and his fall from, I can't think of the word, but I, I don't know. A, I, I guess I'm just thinking, I don't know. Ralph Alexander, uh, scholar, writes, the concept of the Garden of Eden presents one of major difficulties in interpreting this section of Tyre's human king. A possible solution may be found in the understanding of ancient Near Eastern temples these ancient temples normally encompassed a large enclosure with a garden, not just a building. Uh, there's a whole bunch of citations I'm trying to get through. <laughs> if the term for God in this phrase is to be understood with a lowercase g, then perhaps Eden, a garden of a god, was an expression used metaphorically to describe the splendor of the temple complex of Melkart, the king of the city. 
which was his nickname, mm. uh, which is also the meaning of the name Melkart. Uh, I kind of remember that from Hebrew. Anyway, uh, with whom Tyre's human king is seeking identity. Through this interpretation is a hypothesis, as are all others, normal cultural hermeneutics aid in the explanation of this text and should not be ignored. It is readily admitted that the phrase, you were in Eden, the garden of God, is the most difficult obstacle to the interpretation of the king of Tyre as a human king of the city. The above, however, is certainly plausible understanding, is certainly a possible understanding of the phrase. So, yeah, it, it's difficult. I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, yeah. it can be both and, honestly, but, and I'm not smart enough. Yeah, I'm not either. To... Uh, I would say either way, you are high and now you're low. Um, and so either way, you, you had a fall um, because of your pride, your violence, and your sin. And if the logistics and the tiny parts of the, the reading aren't necessarily fully understood, I think the overall um, thought and teaching here and our oracle and our whatever um, definitely is fairly understandable to be a rise and then a, a fall. And right. that's, I, I don't know. Yeah. That's all I got. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, all everyone, right. As you read. <laughs> uh, yeah. Is it a parallel? Could be. Um, is it solely about Tyre? The king of Tyre putting himself in the seat of the gods of Canaan could be, yeah. Yep. Read a book. <laughs> All right. Well, then let's find out what Sidon. Sidon? 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 Ooh, Sidon sounds... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I should have listened to my Bible at first. <laughs> they always pronounce it right, correct? Cheater. All right. Um... <laughs> The word of the Lord came to me. So this is verse 20 of chapter 28. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, set your face towards Sidon and prophesy against her and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Sidon. I I will manifest my glory in your midst, and they shall know that I am the Lord when I execute judgments in her and manifest my holiness in her. For I will send pestilence into her and blood into her streets, and the slain shall fall on her midst by the sword that is against her on every side. Then they will know that I am the Lord God, or I am the Lord. And the house of Israel, there shall be no more briar to prick or a thorn to hurt, hurt them among all their neighbors who have treated them with contempt. Then they will know that I am the Lord God. Should I finish? Yeah. Thus says the Lord God, when I gather the house of Israel from the peoples among whom they are scattered and manifest my holiness in them in the sight of the nations, then they shall dwell in their own land. And I gave to my servant Jacob and they shall dwell securely in it and they shall build houses and plant vineyards. They shall dwell securely when I execute judgments upon all their neighbors who have treated them with contempt. Then they will know that I am the Lord their God. So essentially, all the nations that were annoying little thorns in Israel's side are going to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. And I'd say it's it's not very. I mean, it's fairly vague. 
um, very general, um, not as specific as say it was with Tyre um, or that it will get with Egypt. Um, yeah. Yeah, Sidon or Sidian or Sidion, Sidon, mm-hmm. Sidion, whatever, was Tyre's uh, little sister, essentially. Yeah. Um, often uh, would take on a lot of the same characteristics and kind of try and mimic on a smaller scale what Tyre was doing. And uh, they were apparently in some way antagonistic to Israel. And God was like, no, 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 these are my people. <laughs> and he will execute judgment on them just the same as he w- does with Tyre. Mm. And there wasn't that one of Tyre's big things anyway, is is uh, the way they... Antagonists? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, but I guess 25 and 26 speak of hope for Israel. Right. I think, yeah. Uh, the, the, that's what's interesting is like with as... Like... What's the word I'm looking for here? That it's not a downer, but I guess kind of a downer with his like bleak. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the word. Um, things always seem to be with the prophets. Like there always is like this glimmer of hope and restoration. Mm-hmm. Like there's this like God is slow to anger, and when He does finally demonstrate His anger, He's almost just as like quick to restore. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Well, and we see that in almost all the prophets. Like, right. I mean, minor and major prophets, you see, you always see that 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 place of of discipline, punishment. Right. But it always ends with restoration. Like, um, you always see. Well, I guess you kind of always really see that theme of rising and falling, um, but then that place of restoration, um, and almost all of the the prophets. Um, and really repeated over and over and over again, and yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and he's he's showing his keeping his promise. Mm-hmm. He's to uh, Jacob. So if you go uh, prior in the Old Testament, uh, you may you might hear terms like the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, things like mm-hmm. that, uh, over and over again throughout Scripture. And what essentially is going on here is we're seeing um, God made a promise to what we call the patriarchs to Abraham, said mm-hmm. you will have offspring that are as many as the sands in the sea the stars in the sky and we see this growth of abraham's family and that uh fulfillment of that promise throughout the old testament up and uh till and then now including through the prophets um and then in the new testament obviously we see abraham's family expand because father abraham would have many sons and many sons sons would have father abraham i kind of want to dance so I mean I have one of them. But so are you. So you know, Let's right just arm. Praise the Lord. Wait, right arm. I sit my left arm. I said right arm and hit my left. But yeah, so we see that fulfillment of that promise carry on. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we we did finish this up. It's a it's a shorter chapter because we okay. get a lot of you know. There, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's some things that are hard to read, and you know. Scholars are still split. Yeah. So we obviously can't 
go cray cray with you. Yeah. Well, uh, we're smart and we like to read. Um, well, I don't know if we're smart, but I, was like, well, I, mean, I meant to say we're not that smart. Oh, okay. But we like to read. I was like, we're going to keep um, your tire over here. Yeah. <laughs> no, I did not mean to say we were smart. That's the, that we're very much the opposite. Yeah. Um, and so we, we, we don't necessarily have the authority on none of this, but we like to look to people that that do have the, the smartness or the ability or whatever to, to give us insight into scripture. And, um, you know, as we, we study scripture and as we look at what various scholars have said, um, we can just let God speak through, through his word and, um, let it mess with our hearts in whatever way, when I guess not whatever, but in, in, in whatever way he has communicated it through scripture and, and how do he wants it to apply to our own lives and, and our relationship with him. So, right. um, precisely. Yeah, other than that, because because there's actually I'll be honest through some of this 26, 27, 28, um, as I've been getting into twenty nine, um, I'm sitting there going, oh, you know, I didn't think that I would be able to apply something, and I was like, oh, you know, like it really is applicable. I was like, wow. Um, so it's crazy. Even in these little sections, I'm sitting there going, I'm still being convicted at times, humbled at times, um, and allowing. It's kind of interesting how God can still shape and mold our hearts even with something that we think is long, long ago and over with, um, it's crazy on how it can still be applicable to our lives and our relationship with God today. Well, I think a lot of when we, it is, it, honestly, it is hard sometimes to read through the prophets. Some of the reason being that like, it is hard to, as an American, you know, to see yourself in the story because we're often led to see ourselves as those quote unquote heroes that we heard about, mm-hmm. you know, we see ourselves as the Abrahams, the Davids, the Samsons, but we conveniently cut out the messy, dirty parts. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in reality, we should see ourselves in the princes of Tyre in the, you know, the rebellious Israelites and then all the, the nasty parts of Samson, David and Abraham. And, you know, um, because that's kind of where we are, but we don't like to. Mm -hmm. So yeah, reading through the prophets can be hard because we often see ourselves as the hero or the victor. And then to see all this, like, you know, punishment and, uh, judgment is not something we want. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, it's very, it's very difficult to read on top of the, I mean, then put in like we have like translation barriers, language barriers. Right. Uh, if we don't understand genre, you know, um, of what's going on, it can be very difficult on its own as well. Yeah. So. Yep. Teddy Betty Hud. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. chapter twenty nine and, and next week or a couple weeks and and um, there could be some potential surprises coming up um, with um, as we finish Ezekiel and. Um, even some additions that we kind of want to add and study at the same time. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, uh-huh. So, um, I, I'm hesitant to spoil it in here because depending on how timing goes... That's true. ...could happen before or after this gets posted. Oh. I'll have to look and see. I have to do a couple more. I have to edit up a couple... Was that your phone? Sorry. The, um, maybe? Yeah, probably. Um, I have to edit up a couple more podcasts um, and see kind of where we are. It's either my stupid door. Oh, it's your door? It's the door. Okay. We have... Um, yeah. We have uh, we have a, some with special needs, and we have alerts on every door that opens and closes. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm going to kill this phone. Um, we had some stairs put on our house, and a door that has never been used is now being used. Oh, no. Repeatedly. Okay. Because everybody's excited to go outside on the to this door. Okay. Um, and it's buzzing, and I need to stop that alarm from annoying me. But I can't get rid of it completely because if our kid escapes, we want to be able to know. Yeah, and absolutely. go chase him. Yep. <sighs> anyway, I digress. All right. Yep. So until next time. And we will say, I think we said, we won't see you next time. Yeah. But we'll talk to you next time. You'll hear us. Oh, sorry. (laughs) All right. All right. Bye.